think that box over here.
worship this morning. Let's worship together as we sing an old hymn of the church that simply says, Down at the cross, or, or, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. Let's worship together. Well, there, we wanted to hear it again for some reason. I don't know what's still playing. That's pretty impressive. All right. Let's see what's happening here. I apologize. That sounds really good. I don't know what's going on there. Amen. Let's, let's, worship, let's worship this morning.
ask you to turn your attentions, if you don't mind, to the screens, and immediately following, we'll have the worship. God we serve today. I'm going to ask the ushers that they'll make their way this morning. I'm going to have you stand all over the house this morning. And we're going to, uh, you will stand. We're going to open up with prayer uh, over the offering. And then we're going to have you come and bring your tithes unto the Lord. And then we'll jump right back into worship. We'll have those come lead scripture and prayer. And immediately following that, uh, we will have a special selection of song for you today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We glorify you. 
we magnify you. Lord, we pray that you bless this offering, bless the gift and the giver, bless those that have the give and those that may not. If there's someone here today who cannot give for whatever reason, Lord, I pray at some point you bless them so they could give back to you all that they have need of to show their love and devotion to you. Lord, I pray that everything that is taken today will be for the advancement and the upbuilding of your kingdom. That every note that is played, song that is sung, message that is read, and saw a scripture that is given, Lord, that it would be for the advancement of your kingdom. And for that, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. Let's come at this time and worship together. Out of Psalm 16, starting on verse 8. As always, it's good to be in God's house. I'm glad to be among God's people. Verse 8, he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Verse 9, therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall reap in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Again, I'm thankful to be in God's house. I've been among God's people. And I like just to open up with prayer. And I, I, I just ask that you all pray. And let's all ask God to just be among us today. Uh, um, again, it's, I'm glad you all are here, but uh, I've come here to worship and, and praise my Lord. 
on our resurrected Sunday, we got a lot to be thankful for. Let us pray. Father, again, we're thankful to be in your house. We're thankful for your presence. Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you do and all that you've done in our lives. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just bless and touch the service today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that everything that's said, every song that's sung, it will lift you up and give you all praise. So, Lord, we glorify you, Lord, and thank you for all that you do in our lives. Father, we thank thankful, Lord, for that resurrection, you being that first fruit. We thank you for that today, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you just continue to bless and touch and minister in this hour, Lord. I pray, Lord, that souls will leave here lifted up, Lord, giving you all praise and honor and glory. For we ask these things in Christ's name. You may be seated. We're going to ask Miss Lila to come at this time. She's going to be singing a special song for us today about uh, for regarding Easter Sunday. Oh. 
lowest, that lowest valley. Oh, 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 the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose, never lose, never lose its power. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, amen. Are you thankful for the blood of Jesus today? Oh, yes, let's remain standing. We're going to decree and declare that this morning, this old song. Ron Canoli in 1987 said, Hallelujah, Jesus is alive. So let's worship. So hallelujah, Jesus is alive. Death has lost its victory and the grave has been denied. Jesus lives forever. He's alive. Continue worshiping the Lord today. In this time of desperation, and all we know is doubt and fear. There is only one foundation. We we believe. Yes, we believe. In this broken, in this broken generation. When all is dark, you help us see. There is only one foundation. More than anthem, 
trust you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We glorify your name. Lord, you truly are above all powers and above all kings. You were crucified and laid behind that stone, and you died, but Lord, you didn't stay dead. You rose again, and you are our soon coming king. Lord, that's our cry today. Lord, we await your arrival. Lord, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and take us home to be with you, for we love you, Lord. Glorify your name. Above all keywords, and above all keys, above all nations, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdoms, above all wisdoms, and all the ways of men.
Father, Lord, we worship you. We glorify your name. We truly know you were crucified. You were laid behind the stone and you lived to die and you were rejected by all men. But Lord, you rose. You rose again. You didn't stay there. You got up and you came out. And that's the hope of Easter. That's the hope of glory. That's why we're here. We don't serve a dead God, but we serve a God that is the living among the dead. He is alive and well. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. He is the one who was and is and is to come. We, doesn't, we don't serve a God that doesn't exist or ceases to exist, but we serve a God that is still alive, alive, alive forevermore. My Jesus is still alive today, and we welcome you in this place, Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray as we get ready, Lord, to break the bread of life today, that you would speak to our hearts and let us hear only from your word. Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Do not let me be seen, Lord, and do not let me be heard, but you be heard. Take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay, that I may decree and declare what only thus saith the word of God, and only God alone. For that I give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. Together the people of God said amen. 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 And while you remain standing, will you grab and go to the book of Colossians chapter 2, book of Colossians chapter number 2. We're going to begin just reading a couple verses there, verse 13 through verse number 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. It is Resurrection Sunday, in case you didn't know. Now, I know we normally celebrate Resurrection Sunday about Jesus raising or being arose from the dead, if you will, and it's a celebratory time. Everybody gets nice outfits and things like that. But uh, I just want to let you know, next Sunday he'll still be alive too. So you can come on back next week, too, because he'll be alive. So don't just make this. If you have a home church, by all means, please make sure you go back to your home church. We don't want your pastors to get mad at us. But if you don't have a home church, Jesus will be alive next Sunday, too. So you come on back now, y'all. So uh, y'all is just a southern word for you all. If y'all from up north, it's yuns. Yuns come on back now. So whether y'all or yuns, y'all come on back, all right? So uh, we want to do that. Let me say, before I read the scripture, for quite a few guests, in the house with us today. Jordy's mom is with us today. We want to welcome her today. I am so glad. I, I know he's sitting down, but Brother Dubby is back here in the back with Miss Lila Faye today. It just makes my heart swell that he came today. I'm so glad he's here today. Uh, and, and I know we have uh, some folks that Brother Marion uh, works with that's with us today, and we're so glad they are here. It is also bittersweet. Brother Chris and Sister Tammy are with us today, but they're going to be relocating back to Virginia. The, their jobs are calling them back home, so they were with us for a season. But that season has transitioned to a time to go back home. But I told them on the phone uh, this week that uh, we'll still be praying for them. And anytime they come to Charleston to visit, they know where home is. So just come on by and say hello because they may be gone, but they won't be forgotten. And they're still part of our family. So we are glad they are with us one more week before uh, they transition there as well. Let's read the word of the Lord together. And you, that's not talking about somebody else. That's talking about you. Don't misread it. You being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcised of your flesh, Christ has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your transgressions or trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against you, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way by having it nailed to the cross. The only way he could do it is he had to take it to Calvary. He had to take it to the cross. 
And having disarmed, because of Calvary, having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of the devil. And he triumphed, or triumphant over them all. We've been on a series called Nailed. First week, I talked to you from the, from the book, the judges, about the young lady by the name of Yael, who, who was used by God. And the sermon title for that week was When You Got Him Pegged. We talked about that. Last week we talked about being fastened together on the triumphal entry. But today I just I'm gonna go real old school, real simple for you. I just gonna it's gonna be three words. He nailed it. I mean he nailed it. I don't really watch the Olympics that often, but when I do watch the Olympics, I always love when they do the the, the gym the gymnasts and the gymnastic people they do it when the the girl swings off of the high bars and she cuts all the flips and she lands, you'll sometimes hear and say she nailed the landing. And I tell you, nobody ever nailed it like Jesus did. He nailed it. He nailed it. Father, to the best of my ability, help me to preach your word for the cross of Calvary. Let everything I say and do be for the glory and honor of you. And for that, I give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Let us not be hearers only, but doers of this word. In Christ's name, and the people of God said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Clock starts now, Miss Carol. Start my clock right now. Starts now. I'm on a timeline because I made a bet, and I don't believe in betting, but I don't like to lose. So uh, I want free lunch. So, uh, so uh, he nailed it. So in 1517, there was an obscure Catholic priest that placed his life in God's hands when he stood up against one of the major church denominations of the day called the Roman Catholic Church. He had been studying the Bible and he had came to the personal realization that the Catholic ceremonies did nothing to dispense the grace of God and the church had no right to sell indulgences or, or pay, be paid to forgive sins. He taught salvation was received through only Jesus Christ, which at that time was contrary to popular belief. So he decided to do something about it and he wanted to make sure that everyone had the right to know this newfound grace and freedom that he had obtained. Therefore, this priest, surnamed Martin Luther, nailed 95 theses, or what we call the 95 arguments, against the Catholic Church on the wooden doors of Wittenberg, Germany, and a church in Wittenberg, Germany. There was nothing wrong with nailing the pages to the door. Everything was posted there for everyone to read. It was a community bulletin board. However, at this time, Catholicism was the most powerful institution in the Western world. The Pope not only coronated kings, but he could order them to abdicate the throne if he so desired. The power of excommunication was integral. It did not so much inspire the fear of God as much as the fear of hell or being against the church. Opposition to the church meant charges of heresy, possible torture, death, certain excommunication, Therefore, Martin Luther's 95 Theses, which specified the errors of the Catholic Church in light of personal Bible study, was not very well received. As we celebrate today what we celebrate called Resurrection Sunday, we must remember that another time in history there was a man by the name of God who nailed his agenda to the doorway of heaven. And on the doorway of heaven, just like Martin Luther King nailed his, or Dr. Martin Luther nailed his agenda and thoughts on the wooden door, God made a statement by putting his son nailed to a cross for the purpose of making a statement for all the world. The message he was trying to portray was love prevails. Grace 
is greater. Hope endures. Salvation is accessible. Uh, freedom is obtainable. Mercy is never ending. Though he had to put his life and his flesh be nailed for all to see, not everyone has accepted his gift or received him so well. Some people have come to know him as their all in all, while others wear him as a medallion around their neck. Some have them in their heart, while some have them over their heart. Some have them about walking with them every day. Some have him on a shelf to use him whenever they need him on a certain day. As we talk about Easter, I came by to remind somebody this morning that whether you like it or not, he nailed it. He nailed it. He did it. He nailed it. No one's done it any greater. No one's done it any better. If you study the Easter story, you will discover that the Roman Catholic Church was masterful in the torturing process. They often led to excruciating death. We will learn that there were public spectacles for all to see. They entered they inter twined with based on the writings of John that Jesus we infer that he was nailed on a cross based on the wounds in his hands and his feet so the question to be asked is if he was nailed there what exactly did he nail if he nailed it what is it that he nailed well I'm glad you asked so let's go ahead and jump into it the first thing is he made sure he nailed your past so your past could be removed so it doesn't matter you say what are you talking about preacher I'm telling you we all have a past life Dr. Warren Wiersbe says this do not say where were the for, where, where, why were the former days better than the days we are living in? You do not move ahead by constantly looking in a rearview mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. There are too many people in the world in which we live that are allowing their past to drag them down and lose sight of what's ahead. It's as if the man was one day asking his friend, he said, you look depressed, buddy. What's the matter? What are you thinking about? He said, my future. The guy responds back, why is that so hopeless? He says, because you obviously don't know about my past. Jesus came by on Calvary's cross so that even thousands of years later, sitting on 2023 at 1211 on Highway 52, that a 34-year-old preacher man could come by and tell somebody today that no matter what you have done, no matter where you have been, and no matter where you may think you're going, he has taken your past, he has cast them as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered any longer. You came to the right place. You say, well, pastor, you don't know where I've been, and you don't know what I've done. I don't give a flip where you've been and what you've done he went there and he nailed it he nailed all of it he took care of it all he nailed it there for you and me he nailed it second corinthians 5 17 and 18 says therefore if any man is in christ he is a new creation all things have passed away and behold all has become new and behold god who has reconciled us unto himself through jesus christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation you say, well, pastor, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand. You, it's easy for you to stand up there and say that to me. Well, let me just help you understand. Let's just take a quick journey through the Bible. Abraham was a liar. Moses was a murderer. Jacob was a deceiver. David was a cold-blooded killer. Uh, Jeremiah had bipolar mood swings and battled depression. Peter was a smart aleck, smart mouth, and a loud mouth. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. So unless you've been a murderer, unless you've been an adulterer, unless you've been a deceiver, unless you have a smart mouth, unless you're the chief of all sinners, if God could save them and God could use them and God could bring them about, there's nothing he can't do for you for I have plans for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you to give you a hope in a future I come by on resurrection Sunday to tell you there's nothing you've done that the blood of Jesus can't cover he's covered it all he's covered it all 
list could keep going on. When Jesus went to the cross, he nailed a lot of things in the past. He nailed your past mistakes, your past relationships, your past sins, your past hurts, your past habits, your past hang-ups and addictions. He nailed it to the cross. I remember a story of a guy by the name of Horatio Spafford. He composed one of the greatest songs amidst the greatest of tragedies. He was a, a successful attorney and real estate investor who had lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. At the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking a vacation would be good for his family amidst such tragedy, he sent his wife and his four living daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after taking care of some business. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all of Horatio Spafford's four daughters. The alone survivor of his family was his wife, Anna, who upon arriving in England sent a telegram to her husband saying, Only saved alone. What should I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England to comfort his mourning wife. At one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of such tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to the deck. And he said, we are now passing over the spot where the shipwreck had occurred. Horatio thought about his daughters. And the words of comfort and hope filled his heart. And he grabbed something to write with. And he began to pin down a poem that came to his mind. That has now been translated into one of the most beloved hymns of all time. That song is called, It Is Well With My Soul. But I know you can read all of it. But I love what Horatio Spafford said in verse 3. It probably is my all-time favorite verse of this song. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. It was nailed to the cross, so I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, I tell you that everything you've ever done, no matter what you've gone through, it was nailed to the cross, so you bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, it is done. It is done. The past no longer has to define me because the cross now speaks for me. Some of us today need to be reminded of that. No matter what the devil tells you, the past doesn't speak for you. The cross speaks for you. Secondly, we know that he died so that your present could be rescued. We were of all men most miserable, walking around aimlessly and blind. But the Bible said he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We didn't know where to go, so he died to give us a plan. Jesus passed through Pilate's praetorium. He traveled through Herod's royal halls. He had to deal with the past, but he was on a mission to carry out the present. No one else could fulfill the tasks. The priest had been offering sacrifices since the Mosaic law and a new covenant message was to be nailed for all to see. The priest would no longer have to talk to God for you. You were going to have access to talk to God for yourself. When Jesus cried, it is finished, the Bible describes it as the temple veil, which was very heavy, uh, a cloth rent from top to bottom, making the tangible presence of God no longer separated from the people of God. Jesus nailed my pavement of reconciliation and gave me access to heaven's throne room immediately. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, yet it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that which now I live in the flesh, I live by faith. 
been the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the present. The Apostle Paul says we are to crucify ourselves and fleshly desires daily. That's present tense. Oswald Chambers once said, all heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All of hell is terribly afraid of the cross of Christ. While all men are only deciding which are more to ignore its meaning or to accept its value. He said heaven longs for it. That's the crucifix. Heaven is interested. It has value invested in it. Hell's afraid of it, but we have to decide what it means for ourselves. See, your past was taken care of. It was removed. But he died so that you have a present, so that you know where you're going, so you know you were bought with a price. You were, you were, you were given, you were, there was precious blood of Christ was shed just to give you hope. He brought, died for your present. But I also want to tell you that he also died so that your future could be revealed. This ain't the end of the story. Yeah, I know the story, I know the message central right now, the centrality of the message right now is he nailed it. And he did. He was beaten and he was he was unrecognizable and he was hung. In fact, they put a sign above the top of the cross with his criminal charges, and they would the Romans would put your charge, what you were dying for, over the top of the cross, and his said, King of the Jews. It was it was that was his crime. It is claiming to be greater than the king. King of the Jews. That was it. Even in his dying breath, he says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, and all these various son, behold thy mother, and the seven sayings of the cross. He said, it is finished. The soldiers came by to check the crosses and to break the legs, but when they arrived, Jesus was already gone. This was to fulfill the scripture by the prophets that said no bone in his body would ever be broken. To ensure death had truly occurred, they took a spear and they pierced his side where immediately blood and water flowed separately outward. In reality, scientifically speaking, this only happens when there is intense stress on your heart and your heart basically busts or it ruptures. Your heart stops pumping, so it busts. So really, in reality, you could almost deduce that Jesus died really from broken heart, from a broken heart. Joseph of Arimathea came and requested the body of Christ and took him along with Nicodemus and embalmed him and sealed him inside of his own tomb. You know that we are called the temple of the Holy Spirit and he wants to be in our personal spaces and seal us till the day of redemption. But God did not want his story to end there. Other people had claimed to be God, but they all never resurrected. They stayed dead. So that wasn't the end of the story. Many people try to put periods where God is only trying to put a comma or a semicolon. Some people are trying to stop the story before God even finishes writing the story. It seems like everyone gets anxious about their future and what's going to happen. What will my next five years look like? What will the next ten years look like? What will retirement look like? What will this? We get so antsy about tomorrow. It's like the fortune teller who was gazing into a crystal ball to give a poor anxious frog the reading of his future. The frog was curious about what life would bring and the fortune teller said, you are going to meet a beautiful young frog one day, but you're also going to meet a beautiful young woman. From the moment they lay eyes on you, they will see you, they will have an irresistible desire to get to know all about you. She will be compelled to get close to you and long to be with you. She will be fascinated by who you are. Excitedly, the frog croaks back, where am I? At a singles club? The fortune teller said, no, you're in biology class. You're going to be dissected. Somebody's going to be fascinated with you. It wasn't exactly what the frog had in mind. He was so anxious about his future, but when he got it, he wasn't quite what he thought it would be. 
There are some of us sitting in this room today, we never thought where we'd be where we are today if we were to look back five years ago or ten years ago. We may look back and say, I never thought in a day I'd be where I'm standing today. But if God told you what was going to happen down the road, you may not be ready for it right now to process that. But I do want to leave you with some hope today that while we live in a society where everybody wants the unknown to become known, thankfully I serve a God who knows what the unknown has on the horizon. He knows the future. I already talked to you about Jeremiah 29, 11. It, it seems like death should be the end of the story. He's buried. He's dead. He is sealed. There are soldiers. He's gone. Corey Tim Boone one time was quoted saying, Never be afraid to trust the unknown future to a known God. The reality of it is on that third morning of that Easter weekend, just before the dawning of the day, there came a sight and a sound like heaven had never heard before. Something began to happen in a graveyard. There was a missing body. He was not there, they told the, the disciples and the women when they arrived, for he has risen. The women at the tomb discovered it. Peter and John confirmed it. The other disciples received it. Hell now feared it. Heaven now worshipped it. And one day all humanity will see it. He did not stay dead. And he's not going to stay gone. He went there, but he's coming back again. He's alive. The tomb is empty. The stone's been rolled away. But he's not gone very far. The Bible says when the last trump of God shall sound, those which are dead shall be caught up. Those alive and remain shall be caught up together. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This corruptible will put incorruptible and this mortality in mortality in the twinkling of an eye when Gabriel blows that trumpet brother Mike plays it beautifully but ain't nobody played one like Gabriel and when that sound is heard it's a sound like none of us in this room has ever heard but in that moment we won't stay dead and we're not staying gone we're going home with Jesus in a twinkling of an eye we're out of here we're going somewhere with him he's coming back again he died so that my past could be erased or removed my present to be rescued and my future to be revealed. First Corinthians talks about where is the sting of death and victory. Miss Carol, make your way. I started thinking all throughout the Bible, where is God? Where is God? So I started writing these down. And in conclusion, I'm going to read these and then we're going to segue into the altar service. I found out that he's been there all along. Not only did he nail it at the cross he started it from there he's the alpha and the omega the beginning let me just help you in Genesis he's the bread of life and the breath of life in Exodus he's the Passover lamb in Leviticus he is the atoning sacrifice and the high priest in Numbers, he is the lifted up one and our guide. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet of God. In Joshua, he is the captain of salvation. In Judges, he's the righteous judge and the ultimate lawgiver. In Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, First and Second King, and First and Second Chronicles, he's the promised king. In Ezra, he's the mighty builder. In Nehemiah, he's the restorer of broken lives. In Esther, he's the advocate. In Job, he's the redeemer of all men. In Psalms, he is our all. In all, in Proverbs, he's our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the end of all living. In Song of Solomon, he's the lover of our soul. In Isaiah, he's the righteous prince of peace. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he's the righteous branch. In Ezekiel, he's the son of man and the wheel and the middle of the wheel. In Daniel, he's the smiting stone. In Hosea, he is married to the backslider. In Joel, he is the restorer of time and the giver.
giver of life's day power. In Amos, he's the heavenly husbandman. In Obadiah, he's the savior. In Jonah, he's the resurrection and the life. In Micah, he is the witness against rebellion. In Nahum, he is the stronghold in the day of trouble. In Habakkuk, he is the God of our salvation and the initiator of revival. In Zephaniah, he's the jealous Lord. In Haggai, he is the desire of all man. In Zechariah, he is the fountain and the spirit-driven strength. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. You say, well, Pastor, 400 years and went silent. Oh, I know, because in Matthew, he became king of kings. In Mark, he became servant of all. In Luke, he became the great physician. In John, he became the son of God. In Acts, he became the fire down from heaven. In Romans, he became the grace of God. In First and Second Corinthians, he became the power of love. In Galatians, he became the freedom from sin. In Ephesians, he became the glorious treasure. In Philippians, he became the servant's heart. In Colossians, he became the Godhead and triune being. In First and Second Thessalonians, he became the soon coming king. In First and Second Timothy, Titus and Philemon, he became our faithful pastor and guide. In Hebrews, he became our high priestly mediator. In James, he became the one who will per preserve and prevail. In First and Second Peter, he became the great shepherd. In First, Second, Third John and Jude, he became the bridegroom coming again for his bride. In Revelation, he became King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last who was and is to come, and there is no one like our God. No matter where you look, there He is. There He is. So you say, well, Pastor, what do I do with that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Everybody should have a piece of paper today. Jesus nailed it there. He nailed your past. He nailed your hurts. He nailed your habits, your hang-ups, your addictions. He nailed their past to be removed, your present to be rescued, and your future to be revealed. Here's how we're doing the altar call. You have a piece of paper, and there should be pens in the, in the pockets in front of you. If not, you may have one there on your seat. You may have to share briefly. So I'm going to give you about two minutes. I want you to write down as Whatever you have need of. It can be more than one, but you only get that one piece of paper. It can be your health. It can be your marriage. It can be your finances. It can be your church. Whatever you need God to do for your life, you're going to come up this morning. This time, you're going to nail it to the cross. When these, all these papers get finished up, what we're going to do is he already nailed it there. So we're going to have them nailed up on this cross. It's all said and done. We're going to pray together. God, you've already nailed it to the cross. And so we surrender it and we give it back to you. You nailed it. And we're giving it back to you because you already nailed it there. So I want you to take the next two, mo two, two minutes or so and write them down. We're, we're going to give you time to just worship for a moment as Carol's going to play. Once you're finished, you can start bringing them up. Once you're finished, one at a time, we'll go ahead and start pegging them. We're going to nail them to the cross together. We're going to put them on this cross you have them, fold them up for me. Fold them up. We don't want to, we're going to fold them up. Just fold them in half. We're going to nail them to the cross. Just going to put them on the cross. There are pins up here. If you want to pin it, you can come right here. You're going to nail it to the cross. Just get you a pin out of here and just put it wherever on the cross. But you nail it. You give it back to Jesus. There's a little hammer here if you need it. We'll have
have those here? Storm, will you come help me, sir? Storm, will you come help me, brother? Will you help these people get it put on the cross for me? We'll get those passed out. Will you help them with these? Get them, make sure they get put in. Just nail it to the cross. And here's what I want you to do when you nail it. I want you to remember, you go back to your seat. You sit down. I want you to remember, he already nailed it there. He already nailed it there. All you're doing this morning is putting it back where it belongs, on the cross. You're putting your marriage back where it belongs, on the cross for Christ to take care of it. You're putting your healing back on the cross where the blood was shed. You're putting your finances back on the cross where you need a miracle. You're putting it back where it was already taken. It was taken to Calvary's cross. It was nailed there. So I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Bring it together and nail it together. We love you, Lord. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. you Lord yes keep bringing them up and giving it to Jesus he was there all the time oh he was there all the time waiting patiently in life oh As they keep bringing them and nailed to the cross, will you just worship him together? He was there, he was there all the time. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in life. folks finish putting it on there and we're going to pray together he was there he was there all the time oh he was there church he was there he's been there all the time oh, waiting patiently in line he was there he was they're still bringing it listen to me the reality of this is 
I know that Easter Sunday is about the resurrection. I know it's about you coming again and, and all of the triumphant, victorious power that he brings. But there's no resurrection if there's no cross. If he doesn't die, there's no need to re resurrect. There's some of you in this house, whether you put it on this piece of paper and you're letting them put it on this cross or not, there's some of you in this house, there's some things in your life that either needs to die or it's died and you don't know how you're ever going to get it back because it's too much pain to deal with. But I'm telling you, the Bible says, I serve the God who's the resurrection and the life. And though it may seem like it's impossible, Martha and Mary came to him and said, Jesus is too late, he's already dead, what are you going to do about it? He said, I'm the resurrection life. He who believes me, though he may be dead, he will live again. And he calls out the thing that which was lost and dead. He called Lazarus out from the tomb and he brought him out. The reality of it is, if you feel like your marriage is on the rocks and it's about to die, bring it to the cross because he can resurrect that love again. You think your children are too far gone. Honey, I'm telling you, they're not too far gone. If they still got breath in their body, there's still a fighting chance God's going to get them back. You say, my grandchildren are not living where they need to be. I need God to save them. It's not too late. They're still alive. There's still a chance. They just got to get to the cross. Everything changes by the cross. The, the old song says, kneel to the cross. Christ will meet you there. All we got to do is get them to the cross. They may not be here this morning to get to the cross, but you and I can bring them to the cross, and we can leave them there in the cross. We can leave them at the cross. They don't even have to know, but they can be at the cross right now. And Jesus can meet them right now wherever they are. Some of you may have health issues. Maybe you got a bad diagnosis. Maybe you got a death sentence, cancer, or some other disease. Maybe you've experienced pain and tragedy. Maybe, you, maybe you've experienced extreme loss. Maybe you've dealt with things you can't, you can't put into words. But you came to the right place on Easter Sunday because he nailed it. He nailed it. If it's in your past, he's got it covered. If you're currently walking through it right now, he's got it covered. If you don't even know what tomorrow, many things about tomorrow, I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds tomorrow. You may not even know what tomorrow brings, but he took care of that too. He got your past covered. He got your present covered. He's already working things out. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it. If God be for me, who can be against me? And I'm telling you, even things what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn around for good. The Bible tells me the things I don't even know. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God can raise a standard against him. I'm telling you. You may not even know what tomorrow will bring, but I'm telling you the God of tomorrow has already nailed it there for you today. I know that. I'll tell you how I know. Because he was there all the time. He's always been there. He's always been there. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently.
more time while these last few put it on the cross today. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in they're finishing some of us I think that Easter should be a season of reflection some of us sitting in this room we know where God has brought us from so we know he's able to do it again or even do it for other people who may need him now there may be some today so pastor I I didn't feel like there was anything for me to come nail at the cross today or I, I, I felt okay today or whatever that may be true and next Sunday or Sunday after that there may not be a cross sitting up here there will come a day if you live long enough, you're going to have to go back to the cross too, metaphorically speaking, and nail it back there. You may not come up here physically on a Sunday morning next week and put it up there, but by next week, you may need to be the one at the cross. You may not be today, but next Sunday may be your Sunday. While you may not come to the cross like we are today, you can always go metaphorically and find him right where you left him. The Bible says he never leaves me, nor forsakes me. He is the friend that sticks closer a brother. The Bible tells me that I don't have to worry, I don't have to fret, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, are, you comfort me, you prepare tables before me in presence of any. My cup runs over, surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in your house forever. That's not my words, I didn't write the book. I preached the book, but I didn't write the book. He did. It doesn't matter if you read Genesis all the way to Revelation, every facet of that story in between. You can find him somewhere. He's there. You may not always know where, but he's there. I want you to look at this. Now, I don't know how many. Some of these could have multiple things on them. There might be multiple things on this cross, if you will. Some people wrote multiple items. What if, just what if, we had faith as a grain of a mustard seed. I mean, just what if? Not big faith. I'm talking the smallest of pebbles. I'm talking minuscule faith. I mean, tiny faith. Faith of mustard seeds. And looked at these mountains. They cast them from here to over there. So what do you mean, Pastor? What if, what if every person that's in here that wrote their marriage was something they needed to take to the cross? What if it got restored? was Resurrection Sunday worth it? Yeah. Something that was dead is now alive again. What if a lost son or daughter next week, next month, next year gives their heart to Jesus Christ and you nailed her or him metaphorically to the cross? Is Easter Sunday worth it that they caught, were called out of darkness into the marvelous light and they were walking in basically death? I can't call it called them to eternal life. Is it worth it? Yes. Reality of it is we may not have been there at the cross the day it happened. We may not have stood there when the soldiers pierced his side. We may not have heard the ringing of the nails when the hammer hit it and pierced his holy flesh. We may not have heard the weeping of the ladies at the tomb. We may not have stood at the tomb and watched the stone roll away. But it doesn't take away the story is still the same. We may not have been physically there when it happened, but it doesn't take away that he did it. 
We may not have been there to see the euphoric experience of seeing heaven come down and the stone rolled away. But the old hymn says, He lives, He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives. How do I know He lives? Because He lives in my heart. I mean, I've been at the tomb to be like Peter and John and say, I got Him. I see Him. He's not here. I don't have to, I'd love to one day to go to Israel, but I don't have to go to Israel to look at the tomb that they say He was in. Because every time Sister Brenda I come to church, I know where He's at. He's not in Jerusalem in a tomb. He came with me to church today. Brother Aaron, he came to church with you today. Brother Larry, he came to church with you today. There's a lot of faith he sang with you today. Brother Shane, he came to church with you and Lori today. Brother Mike, he sat beside you when you were playing today. When, when, when the songs were going up and there came, there came a, a, a little bit of a, a holy hush and you just felt like something like the air conditioner cut on, but you realized it wasn't the air conditioner. That wasn't the air conditioner. He walked into the room. He, he didn't, he's not in Jerusalem. He came to church with you today. He's not dead. He's not in the tomb. You don't have to go to Israel to find him. He's right here. He's all been here the whole time. He's here. So here's it. We're, we're closing. I'm not going to ask you all to come up here. But some of you, you know if you brought a, a, a sheet up here. Some of you know if you didn't. I can't decide who did what. I didn't read them. I do not want to read them. But I do believe that the Bible is accurate about one thing. If I didn't believe his word, I wouldn't preach it. My God is the same yesterday, today, and he will be forevermore. And I don't know what you wrote. I'm going to tell you right now, you took it to the best place. Not to the psychiatrist. Not to the lawyer. Not to the oncologist. Not to the cardiologist. Not to the neurologist. Not to the counselor. Not to the shrink. You came to the right place today, church. You put it on the cross where it's always been and should have been. How? Because he... Father, to the best of my ability, I have preached your word today to these people, God. Every need that is on this cross, let heaven intervene. Symbolically today, we came back to the house of God and we put it on a cross. We know it's not your real cross, but we're symbolizing, we're nailing it back to the cross on which it was already nailed. We're giving it back. Take my your yoke upon you, for your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We're casting our cares back on you. God, we give it to you today. Father, no matter if it's marriages, finances, children, lost son or daughters, the wayward ones, whether it's for growth, whether it's for our church, whatever it may be. God, we come before you today. We humble ourselves before you, God, and we ask that you do what only the cross can do. And only the cross, our past, our present, our future, it doesn't condemn me. It doesn't do anything. The cross now speaks on my behalf. We commit this cross of needs to your arms, the loving arms of our Savior. Fathers, we get ready to close in our benedictory prayer. May the God of all grace and comfort go before us. May you bless us and keep us. Your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God, which passes all human understanding. And guard our hearts as you come again. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength, my redeemer.
Jesus' name I pray, amen. Before Brother Randy comes, I know we were scheduled to have you about five minutes after church for a business meeting, but I don't apologize for how many people came to give their needs for Jesus today. I know some of you have appointments to get to, so next Sunday morning, Lord willing, it's my announcement again, Lord willing, we'll have a business meeting regarding some of the septic issues and things that we need to address on behalf of the church. One more week won't kill us per se to do that. They're eight weeks out anyway, so even when we vote, we got a while to wait, so we're going to have to learn to wait. But I know you have plans today, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Some say, well, Pastor, I came to church. I thought we'd have the business meeting. We did come to a meeting today. We met with Jesus today. And that's the only business that matters. I, I don't mean this to sound crude or crass. I don't come to church to make sure the toilet's flush. I come to hear from God. Now, while those are good things to have happen, I'm sorry if it didn't flush properly for you this morning, but today I don't apologize for the many people who needed to come to the cross of Calvary today. Because that's the most important business we could have ever done today. So next Sunday morning, right after church, we'll meet together to talk about a couple housekeeping items to beautify our property as well as help with this. We've got a couple projects. Miss Jeannie and some others will tell, share more information with you about it. We want you to know what's going on. And I, want to, I love you. I pray you have a blessed Easter. Spend time with your family. There's no service tonight back on Wednesday night, but enjoy your holiday. We love you. I love you. Brianna, we love you together, and uh, God bless you. Brother Randy, I'm going to ask you to come. As soon as he prays, you feel free to be dismissed. Have a blessed holiday. God bless you. Let us pray. Kind of.